0: Good morning church, thank you so very much for being part of our online worship assembly this morning. We want you to know that whoever you are, wherever you are, whether you're a member here at McDermott Road or you're a guest joining us online, that we love you and we appreciate you and we hope that you're doing well. If there's ever anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out to us and let us know your needs. I don't know if Mark knew this or not. In fact, I'm pretty sure he didn't know this, but he actually set us up Really well for our series this month. He gave a great lesson last week talking about personal Bible study and about reading the Bible, about spiritual discipline. And that's what our series this month is all about, is about spiritual discipline. And I want to start with asking a question How do you evaluate your spiritual well being? How would you go about evaluating your spiritual well being? I know that nobody ever comes up to you and asks you, you know, how's your walk with the Lord, you know, how's your spiritual well-being, how's your relationship with God, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I, I know that nobody ever comes right out and asks you that, but do you ever stop and ask yourself that? How's my relationship with the Lord? How's my walk with the Lord? Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? How would you even go about evaluating such a thing? How would you go about evaluating, on a scale from 1 to 10, how well are you doing spiritually speaking? How full of the Holy Spirit are you? Is the Word of Christ dwelling in you richly? Can the fruit of the Spirit be found in you? How would you even go about evaluating your spiritual well-being I think the answer to that is very similar to how you would go about evaluating your physical well-being. How do you evaluate your physical well-being? Well, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I can fool myself into thinking that my physical well-being is better than it really is. When I'm sitting on the couch watching Netflix and eating a bag of Cheetos, I feel like my physical well-being is pretty good. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of in shape and I, I, I don't have any problems, but then when I start to run, I realize my physical well-being isn't so great and I can't catch my breath and I'm out of breath and I realize that I'm not doing so great. The way you you evaluate your physical well-being is testing. When you're tested, when you have to run, when you have to jog, when you have to lift something heavy, when you have to do something hard, then you find out how well you're doing. And the same is true with our spiritual well-being. We evaluate our spiritual well-being through testing. Here's something I want us to think about for a second. Testing reveals our spiritual deficiencies and bolsters our spiritual strength. Just kind of sit with that for just a second. Testing reveals our spiritual deficiencies and bolsters our spiritual strength. In James chapter 1, James talks about the testing of our faith. And he says to count it all joy. That maturity comes through the testing of our faith. The testing of our faith is a good thing. So when our faith is tested, when we go through various trials, we should, as James says, consider it all joy. Because it bolsters our spiritual strength. The testing of our faith bolsters our spiritual strength. But it also, it also reveals our spiritual deficiencies. Just like if I were to try to run a mile, it would reveal my physical deficiencies. When we go through a trying time, when our faith is tested, it reveals our spiritual deficiencies. And right now, as a country, as a world, as a community, as a church, as families, as individuals, our faith is being tested, isn't it? No matter where you fall politically, no matter what you think about this, that, or the other, chances are you have felt like over the last few weeks and the last few months, like your faith is being tested. And there's a certain degree to which we can give thanks that our faith is being tested because we know that it is bolstering our spiritual strength. It's making us stronger, more mature people because our faith is being tested. But it also reveals our spiritual strength deficiencies. And I don't know about you, but over the last few weeks, the, this testing of my faith has revealed some of my spiritual deficiencies. I'm not as patient as I should be. And this, this season of pandemic and everything going on in our world has revealed my lack of Of patience. It's also revealed to me my addiction to the sense of control. I don't know about you, but I like to feel like I'm in control. And I don't like the feeling of not being in control. And none of us, none of us through this crisis have felt like we were in control. We've all realized that we're not. And it has revealed a spiritual deficiency in me. And I think if we if we're on social media, if we spend any time around other people, then we recognize that this crisis is revealing spiritual deficiencies in a lot of us. Anger, fear, bitterness, criticism, jealousy, saying and doing things that if we're not careful will break and destroy relationships. Crisis, trial, testing, it can strengthen, it can bolster our spiritual strength, but it also reveals our spiritual deficiencies. So what are we gonna do with that? Well, we're we're going to have to learn during this period of testing what we need to work on And also allow it to do its work. But here's something I want us to realize. That there are also things we can do to intentionally test our faith. Because this crisis that we're going through right now, it it came unexpectedly, it came unintentionally. None of us planned for it, none of us wanted it. It wasn't part of any of our plans, but it came nonetheless. And your life and my life are gonna be full of those kinds of seasons, those kinds of times in our life that are going to be an unintentional, unprovoked time of testing. But spiritual disciplines are actually a way of intentionally testing our faith. Spiritual disciplines are a way of intentionally training our faith. Spiritual disciplines are like going for a run on purpose. <laughs> if somebody were to chase me right now, that would be an unintentional, an unintentional testing of my physical well-being. But if I were to choose to go on a run right now, it would be an intentional training or testing of my physical well-being. And that's the way spiritual disciplines are. That's what we're going to spend this month talking about. Is these spiritual disciplines that are the intentional testing of our faith. And they do the same thing that unintentional trials do. They, they both reveal our spiritual deficiencies. And they bolster our spiritual strength. But, but be warned. When you practice these things like we're going to talk about. Solitude and giving in secret, and fasting, and meditation, and the things we're going to talk about from Matthew chapter 6, be warned that they will reveal your spiritual deficiencies. They'll reveal to you, they'll reveal to me, how much we are addicted to control, and to pleasure, and to the approval of others. But they will also help draw us closer to God, If I want to be prepared for somebody chasing me and being able to outrun them without getting winded, if I want to be prepared for that, then I have to intentionally test my faith. I test my physical well-being, rather. I have to intentionally go for a run. And if you want to be able to go through crisis and go through hardship And come out on the other side stronger. Then at times in your life you have to practice these spiritual disciplines. Mark talked last week about spending time studying scripture. And this period of crisis and trial and separation and distance. It's a great opportunity for us to be practicing these spiritual disciplines. That yes reveal our spiritual deficiencies. But also bolster our spiritual strength. So are we ready Are you ready to take the next step? To take some spiritual exercises, some spiritual tests, some spiritual trials, some spiritual practices, some spiritual disciplines, and be intentional about disciplining your faith, disciplining yourself for godliness. Are you ready? Because it's exciting and it will help to draw us closer to our God so let's look together at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1 I love this passage Jesus says beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven now I want us to pay attention to this phrase because this is an interesting phrase isn't it practicing your righteousness I'm I would bet that most of us go through a whole week, month, year, years, maybe our entire life without ever talking about practicing your righteousness. What does that that even mean, to practice your righteousness? Well, of course, Matthew, who wrote this gospel account, was writing in Greek, but Matthew and Jesus and everyone to whom Jesus was talking in the Sermon on the Mount and Matthew's original audience were all Jewish people. And so they, they thought in Jewish terms. They thought in Hebrew terms. And that's why I like the complete Jewish Bible puts it this way. Be careful not to parade your acts of tzedakah, tzedakah, tzedakah. Say that, tzedakah. It's a fun word to say. And it's, a, it's an interesting word it's a Hebrew word tzedakah and Jesus says be careful not to parade your or to to practice your righteousness or to parade your acts of tzedakah in front of people in order to be seen by them so what what does this phrase mean acts of tzedakah or practicing your righteousness i actually listened to a jewish rabbi Talk about this Hebrew word tzedakah and what that means. And he said, this is the way he talked about it. He said, if you were to ask 50, if you were to ask a thousand Jewish people, a thousand Hebrew speakers to translate this word into English, you would probably have 500 of them that would say charity, that tzedakah is charity. And the other 500 of them, the other half of them would say it is justice, now, how could, he asked, how could the same Hebrew word be translated as justice or charity? In English, those words are very, very different, aren't they? Charity and justice. Now, if I, and he explained it this way, if I had a $100 bill, and Travis is back there in the back, and if Travis were to ask me for $100, and I were to give it to Travis, if I owed Travis that money, that would be justice, right? I would be doing what was right. If I owed him $100, I had borrowed $100 from him, or or for whatever reason, I owed him $100, and he says, Wes, can I have $100? And I say, yeah, I owe you that it's rightfully yours therefore it's right and it's just and it's fair and just for me to give this to you because you earned it it belongs to you right that's justice but if Travis asks me for a hundred dollars and I don't owe it to him but I give it to him anyway that's charity right so in English something is either charity or it's justice but it can't really be both can it If somebody works for something, and someone owns something, and something belongs to that person, and they get what belongs to them, we call that justice. We call that fairness. That belongs to them. But if somebody gets something that doesn't really belong to them, if someone gives something to someone else that doesn't belong to them, we call that charity. So in English, those ideas are very different. But in Hebrew, they're one and the same. Tzedakah, it is both charity and justice. So how could something be both charity and justice? And this rabbi explained that, and I think this is exactly right. That if you realize what the biblical way of thinking about being God's covenant people, if you think with that mindset, then you realize that nothing really belongs to you everything belongs to God and so when you give money to someone if you give money to someone it's God's money that you're giving to them anyway and so you are partnering with God and that's what God's covenant people are supposed to do covenant with God to be God's covenant partners in the world to make the world A more fair, a more equitable place. And when we give away money, we are doing justice. We are doing righteousness. We are doing charity. And so for Jesus, for the apostles, for anyone who thinks with a biblical mindset, you realize that if I give Travis $100, I haven't given Travis my money I've shared with Travis the money that God gave me to be a steward of, and so therefore you can do both justice and charity. Practice tzedakah. Practice doing righteousness. Doing fairness. Doing justice. Doing charity. But but here's the warning of what Jesus says. He says, "Be careful." And anytime Jesus says, be careful, you need to realize that there is an inherent danger, right? There's an inherent danger here. Jesus wouldn't tell you to be careful unless there was an inherent danger. There is a danger in doing tzedakah. There is a danger in practicing righteousness. There is a danger in being charitable that you do it for the wrong reasons. Jesus says, be careful that you don't do it in order to be seen by others, in order that you may be seen by them. Look at the next verse, verse 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. The Pharisees, the religious people of Jesus' day, made a big show, apparently, a big show out of doing tzedakah, out of doing righteousness, out of doing justice. We're partnering with God to make the world a more equitable place. We're partnering with God to do what is right and what is fair, to give to the needy, to distribute the things that God has given to us, to give it to those that are in need, to lift them up, That they might have a better standing in the world. But Jesus says that's not really their intention. Their intention really isn't tzedakah. Their intention isn't really righteousness. Their intention really isn't justice. Their intention really isn't fairness. Their intention is to be praised by others. Look at what he says. That they may be praised. That's their intention. Their intention isn't to practice righteousness their intention is to be praised for practicing righteousness do you see the difference their intention isn't to practice righteousness to practice justice to practice fairness their intention is to be seen and praised and applauded and appreciated for practicing righteousness and there's a vast difference between the two and we have to stop and recognize the temptation that we have to do the same. In fact, social media has made it even easier to take credit for everything, to raise our hand and say, yes, I'm on God's side, I'm a good person, I'm doing good things, I'm all about fairness and justice. It's very easy to want to be seen, to want to be praised, to want to be applauded for doing the right thing. There's nothing wrong There's nothing wrong in doing the right thing. In fact, there's nothing wrong in being seen doing the right thing. There's nothing wrong in being seen for doing the right thing. But there is something wrong in doing it in order to be seen, in order to have the credit. I heard a joke this week. We need a little bit of levity here. Uh, I I heard a joke this week about this turtle. And this turtle, you know, he wanted to get to the ocean. And the ocean was several miles away. And he thought, how am I going to get to the ocean? That's a long way. I mean, obviously, turtles are slow. And it would be a long, slow crawl. And he didn't know how he was going to get there. And then it dawned on him, he could tie a string between the feet of two seagulls. And so he tied one end of the string to one seagull's foot. And he tied another into the string to the other seagull's foot and then he clamped his jaws right in the middle of the string and then the seagulls lifted him up off the ground and they flew towards the towards the ocean and that turtle was hanging on the string right there in the middle and it was working really well i mean they probably went a mile and it was working so well And they were almost to the water when there were a couple of people on the sidewalk and they looked up and they were amazed and they saw this turtle flying in between the two seagulls and they said wow that's really impressive. I wonder whose idea that was. And the turtle opened his mouth to say, it was my idea, right? That's how we are. We we have to take credit. And so often we take credit to our own demise. And Jesus says, be careful. Be careful that when you practice righteousness, when you practice justice, when you practice fairness, that you're not doing it in order to be seen by others. Because that's what the Pharisees do. They do it to be praised by others. And Jesus says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, here's what the temptation is here, isn't it? I I wanna stop us for just a second because the temptation is going to be, yeah, I know a few people like that, right? I know a few people like that, like that turtle that are always opening their mouth to take credit for things. I know the people that are always taking an Instagram of something. I know people that are always posting and bragging on themselves. Wait, we're not talking about them. We're talking about ourselves. We're taking this opportunity to look in the mirror and to realize that with every opportunity to do do good with every opportunity to practice righteousness, fairness, justice, equity, with every opportunity, there is also an opportunity to do it for the wrong reasons. And these Pharisees were doing some of the right things for the wrong reasons. Their goal wasn't sedakah righteousness justice fairness their goal was to be praised by others for doing righteousness now look at verse 3 he says but when you give to the needy don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you so here's the spiritual discipline the spiritual discipline isn't just giving The spiritual discipline isn't just serving. The the spiritual discipline isn't just practicing righteousness. Jesus assumes if you're God's covenant people, you're going to practice righteousness. That's not the spiritual discipline. That's a given, right? If you're God's covenant people, you're going to do good. You're going to seek to make the world a more equitable place. You're going to give to the needy. You're going to do those things. The spiritual discipline here is to do it in secret do it anonymously do it so secretively that your your one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing that's the spiritual discipline the spiritual discipline of secrecy the spiritual discipline of anonymity and then he says if you practice these things in secret now again that doesn't mean that that there's not a place for public good works For good works that are seen by others. In fact in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus had talked about a city set on a hill. And a light that can't be hidden. And he says other people are going to see your good works. And give credit to God who is in heaven. Your father who is in heaven. So that's not to say there's not a time and a place for public good works. But it is to say. That it's a spiritual discipline. To practice secrecy. To practice righteousness in secrecy to do good works to give to the needy secretly and then he says and your father who sees in secret will what reward you there is great reward in doing the right thing for the right reason there is great reward in doing the right thing for the right reason Reason, But every opportunity to do the right thing also comes with it an opportunity to do the right thing for the wrong reason. And when you do the right thing for the wrong reason, you've got your reward, right? If you do good and practice righteousness in order to be praised by people, if you do good and practice righteousness for the applause, for the appreciation, for the accolades... When you do that for that reason, you get your reward. That's your reward in and of itself. But Jesus says, if you practice doing good secretly. If you practice doing good secretly. So that you know that you're doing this for the right reason. You're doing what's right because it's right. You're doing what's fair because it's fair. You're doing what's just because it's just. You're not doing it so that other people will see you. You're not doing it so that other people will praise you. You're not doing it so that other people can applaud you. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And the only way you're ever going to know why you're doing it is to test yourself. Test yourself by doing it in secret. Doing it. So that nobody knows what you're doing. Not even your other hand knows what you're doing. And when you practice this. When you practice this giving in secret and doing in secret. And doing tzedakah, righteousness, justice, fairness in secret. He says, then your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now what what does he mean by that? Does he mean like eternal reward? Reward in the resurrection? Reward in the age to come? Maybe. Maybe that's part of it. But, but I think there's a reward right now, don't you? I think there's a reward right now in a closer, better, stronger relationship with God. Jesus says, do this. Give secretly. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. There is great reward in doing the right thing for the right reason. When you do good secretly, then you have this secret relationship with God and God rewards you with a better, stronger, deeper relationship with him. How about if we put it this way? When we give secretly, we sacrifice the praise of others for the pleasure of God, right? So what we're doing. We're being intentional about sacrificing the praise of others. Why? Because we know that the pleasure of God is better. That it's better to make God happy than it is to make people happy. And the only way, the only way that we're going to know for what reason are you doing that is to do it sometimes in secret. Do it secretly. Do it anonymously. And intentionally sacrifice the praise of others for the pleasure of God. Sacrifice the praise of others for the pleasure of God. Do do that this week. Let's let's be intentional about practicing this spiritual discipline this week. Do righteousness. Practice tzedakah. Fairness. Justice. Give to the needy this week. and, And don't Instagram it. And don't tweet it and don't put it on Facebook and don't drop it casually in a conversation with somebody. Just do it secretly. And then when you have that urge to to put it on Instagram, when you have that urge to tweet about it, when you have that urge to Facebook it, recognize that urge for the appreciation and the applause and the accolades and the praise of people and intentionally give it to God and say, Father, your pleasure is worth far more to me than the praise of others. Sacrifice, intentionally sacrifice the praise of others for the pleasure of God by doing good secretly. And then imagine in your head, As you sacrifice the praise of others for the pleasure of God, imagine the Father saying to you, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. And those words can echo in your heart. Because this, this, I... It feels good for a minute, doesn't it? When somebody claps for you when somebody appreciates you, when somebody praises you. But I'll tell you from personal experience, it's addicting, and it's shallow. And when it's gone, you'd do anything to get it back. And so we do good secretly, and we sacrifice the praise of others for the pleasure of God and we allow God to break our addiction to the approval of people. We allow God to break our addiction to the applause of people. We allow God to break the addiction to the appreciation of people. Have you ever felt that way and you say, why aren't I being appreciated? Why doesn't anybody appreciate me? I've worked so hard and I've done so much. We're addicted to it sometimes, aren't we? And when we do good in secret, it's this opportunity to exercise our spirituality, to exercise our faith, and allow God to break the addiction that we have to the approval and the applause and the appreciation of others and sacrifice those things for the pleasure of God and know and to hear and to embrace the words of our father who says well done good and faithful servant you did the right thing for the right reason because you love me and you're partnered with me to do good in the world and that's reward enough and that reward that pleasure of our father that is now and is eternal is worth far more and lasts far longer than the applause of man. But I want us to think about one thing before we close. I want us to think about this. Because I keep reminding myself and all of us that just because we're distant doesn't mean we have to be disconnected. And during this month, as we talk about these spiritual disciplines, and we're talking about our own Personal walk with the Lord. We're talking about our own personal faith. We're talking about disciplining ourselves for godliness, exercising ourselves, exercising our faith. We need to realize that we're still connected to the body, that spiritual disciplines are personal practices with both individual and collective benefits. I know that's a mouthful, but think about that. Spiritual disciplines are personal practices with both individual and collective benefits. When I discipline myself for godliness, and I do the right thing for the right reason, or when you discipline yourself for godliness... And you do the right thing for the right reason, when you give secretly, not for the approval of people, not for the praise of people, not for the applause of people, not for the appreciation of people, but you do good because you love God and want to be drawn even closer to him. When you do those kind of things, it makes the whole body stronger. Just like last week when Mark was talking to us about studying the Bible. When you read the Bible, it is about your personal relationship with God, but it's also about your connection to me and to your spouse and to your kids and to your neighbors and to your brothers and to your sisters. We're all part of one body. And as you get stronger, the body gets stronger. Isn't that right? It's just like your hand or your arm or your legs. As one member of the body gets stronger, the whole body gets stronger as you discipline yourself for godliness, as I discipline myself for godliness, as I study the scriptures, as you study the scriptures, as I give in secret, as you give in secret, it makes the whole body stronger. So just imagine, imagine how strong we're going to be when we come back together. Imagine if we spend these months of pandemic and quarantine and distancing if we're intentional about testing our faith, disciplining our faith, disciplining our spirituality, breaking our addiction to approval and to control and to pleasure and being drawn even closer to the Lord. Imagine if all of us work on ourselves and we all discipline ourselves. Imagine how stronger the body will be. It's not just benefiting you. When you discipline yourself for godliness, it benefits me, it benefits your spouse, it benefits your neighbor, it benefits your brother, it benefits your sister, it benefits the entire church body. These spiritual disciplines that we're gonna talk about this month are personal practices with both individual and collective benefits. So let's work on ourselves because as we work on ourselves, the whole body gets stronger. And we're in this together. Again, just because we're distant doesn't mean we have to be disconnected. Let's walk through this testing and this crisis together. We can't, any one of us do it on our own. This testing and trial and crisis has revealed spiritual deficiencies in me and it's probably revealed spiritual deficiencies in you. And guess what? That's okay. That's part of the growth process. And Jesus intends for his whole family, his whole body, the entire community of his followers to build each other up in love. So if we can build you up specifically, if we can help you, if we can pray for you, if you're ready to become a disciple of Jesus, whatever we can do for you, we're here for you and want to help you any way we can. We have one more song and then we'll be closed in prayer. Thank you for being with us this morning.